Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Yesterday, today, not to be. And the wait game, the waiting. I mean, waiting is the hardest part, right? It's it's true. Was there anything worse than a Friday test? You had to carry it over the weekend. And then if you had a lazy-ass teacher, it wouldn't give you the results on Monday. Maybe you had to wait till. I don't know, Tuesday, Wednesday, <clears throat> depending what grade you were in or what it was. Did you meet every day or uh, you know what it's like in college? I assume uh, that you do. But, yeah, the waiting. I hate waiting. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, babies, come on, let's get this done. Um, you, you, you know, you visit a doc. You, you're waiting on results, no matter what it is. Uh, the waiting, being patient. And you know that, Jag fans. You've been told to be patient forever. But I think there's a difference between just being patient when it comes to a team and their success and being able to turn the corner, and then when it involves you directly where you have done something and you have to wait on those results. Right now, Tiger Woods fans, that's what it's all about. Although I will say this, the trend is now turning in favor of Tiger Woods. The projected cut line is plus one, therefore plus two, and uh, you know, worse will go home. Anyone at plus one and better is going to stick around for the weekend. The way things work here at the Genesis Invitational, is it's top 65 in ties. Right now, plus one uh, takes you uh, beginning at 64 all the way to 75, all right, or actually 74. So uh, there are 10 golfers right now at plus one. They would all be around for the weekend. We'll have to see what actually does transpire. But while watching this event, it's crystal clear that Scoring is getting more difficult late in the afternoon today, which wasn't necessarily the case yesterday. And you can look at Tiger Woods. I mean, he came in and he birdied 16, he birdied 17, and he birdied 18. Today, the best round of the day happened, you know, earlier in the morning. It was a 69 at one point by Keith Mitchell after a 64 yesterday. So he is your clubhouse leader heading into the weekend. That's one stroke better than than Colin Morikawa, of course, Rory McIlroy, who did play in that threesome with uh, Tiger Woods and JT Thomas after a 67 on Thursday, a 69 today. Actually, the best two scores so far today that I do say uh, do see are 68s by Morikawa, as well as the number one overall ranked golfer in the world. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, but for others, it is beginning to get away, including guys like Max Homa, who's over par after shooting a 64 uh, yesterday. So it, it just looks as though scores are getting worse as we move out throughout the uh, the course of the 
uh, you know, evening here, but obviously in Los Angeles, it is just a few minutes past 3 o'clock um, Pacific Coast time. So we'll keep you updated. Tiger Woods did complain yesterday after his round about the pain in his ankle. All right. I think the naked eye told us that there was a limp, a noticeable limp, but it didn't appear that he was favoring the the right leg, that things were okay. Again, there was a limp, but it didn't seem as though there was a lot of pain. Now, there were times that Tiger Woods took off his shoe, took off his golf shoe, and massaged his ankle. Uh, He applied some cream on his back at one point. I mean, the guy's beaten up literally uh, head to toes. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And he was doing some stretching exercises and some stuff like that if he had to wait at the tee box. Um, but, you know, he looked the part. Yesterday he told us that it has, in fact, it was painful uh, to play on that on Thursday. And, you know, I don't think that any of us have any clue what it must be like to play a late round on a Thursday and then turn around and play an early round on a Friday. I, I want to say he teed off at 724 Los Angeles time. So he had about 14 hours to get ready. 14 hours of a lot of ice, right? Treatment, rehabilitation, rest, nutrition. I have no idea what the standard is in how things work for Tiger Woods to get into that type of of flow. These golfers like to get up three-plus hours before their tee time. So are you trying to tell me that Tiger Woods was up at, at you know, 4.15 Los Angeles time, maybe sooner today to get up, eat, you know, drink some coffee, eat, go through your stretching, everything you got to do again with that right leg and ankle, then go out, and they all do it on tour. I'll go out and hit balls and 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 do and perform what you think is the best as far as your preparation to go out there and play. At the age of 47, that was a question for Tiger Woods on this Friday with only those 14 hours. And, you know, it, it reared its ugly head uh, right out of the gate. Again, as I said with Frank, he missed four nine-foot or less putts on the front side, which was the backside for him. Okay. He went off on 10 uh, earlier this morning, but those are makeable putts for Tiger Woods. And he didn't make any excuses about, it. you know, he wasn't complaining about the way that the course um, played pin placement, you know, rolling, not rolling. No, he put it all on himself. He said he just could not putt today. So, you know, Tiger Woods uh, began with a couple of bogeys. Then he got birdies on 14 and 17. So he actually went out with an even par 36. After his 69 yesterday, Tiger Woods remained two under uh, through the first 27 holes. Uh, what happened is after five consecutive pars coming in, he bogeyed six, he bogeyed eight, and he bogeyed nine to shoot a 38. That's three over a 74 for Tiger Woods. So through 36 holes, he is at plus one. It's, um, it is frustrating. And this has always been the case for Tiger. I mean, let's face it, even during his best days, Tiger off the tee was always a challenge. It was always 
you know, you're like, maybe take a little bit off, you know, hit a fairway. But Tiger being the the macho, you know, man that he is, the alpha, he's playing with these two younger cats who crush the ball in JT and Rory. And Tiger out, you know, he outdrove him yesterday. Tiger Woods, what did he average? 312 yards off the tee on Thursday. That was down a little bit today. But the problem with Tiger Woods, man, he only made 5 of 14 fairways. Okay, 6 of 14 yesterday. So, you know, it's like being down 0-2 in a batter's box. Or it's like, you know, third down and 8. This third down and 1 and this third down and 8, right? You feel pretty good about your chances when it's third and short. You don't feel good about your chances when it's third and 8. Or more. Well, Tiger Woods, let's add it up now. Out of the 28, you know, you take away the par threes, out of the 28 holes where they keep the statistics of hitting fairways, Tiger hit 11 of 28. So he's automatically put, and I understand that these guys had first cut or whatever. I mean, they're so good. Uh, and, you know, you could say what you want about that Kakulia rough and just how difficult it is to play. I, I don't want to compare it to, well, I guess more of the talk would be actually the the Polana greens uh, that you have uh, there on the West Coast compared to obviously the Bermuda uh, that is here. But nonetheless, they have the ability to get out. But when Tiger Woods, man, 11 of 28, he put himself in that rut. And the end result is he's going to have to sit around and wait. For the record, I do think that scores are going to continue to drop. Just watching the golf course today, uh, they become a little bit firmer. I think the wind has had a lot of, a, you know, a major effect on that. It's it's not humid in Los Angeles. The temperature is really nice. It's about uh, six to seven degrees warmer right now than it was yesterday in L.A. At last look, I have it at 64. I remember being on the air last night where it was 58 degrees in L.A. And, you know, the wind is, uh, according to what I'm reading, is not as bad as it actually looks like with the naked eye. They're telling us gusts up to 10 miles per hour. But I think it's had an effect not necessarily on the on the players and their shot selection, but more of how these greens are now rolling. And you've seen a lot of missed putts. Be interested to monitor the overall numbers when they come in after this completion to see how the putt uh, statistics actually were raised on a Friday compared to what we saw on a Thursday. The former Georgia Bulldog, Keith Mitchell, leads the Genesis Invitational. Again, a 64 on Thursday. That, along with Max Homa, were the two best scores recorded on Thursday uh, today, a 69 for Mitchell, so he is in at minus 9. Colin Morikova is in at minus 8. Max Homa, so far, has played nine holes, and he is playing even par golf as we do speak. What a leaderboard. I mean, seven winners of the FedEx Cup points uh, are here. 19 of the top 20 golfers in the world, according to the World Golf um, Numbers Championship uh, rankings, if you will, are here. That includes four of the top five. And the leaderboard is exactly what you would expect. Uh, Lee Hodges is a guy that we don't know a great deal about. 
He's got it at seven. And a couple of holes ago, he became the last man to finally bogey. So every single golfer in this tournament has bogeyed, whether it was yesterday or today. And I, and I guess that that is fairly standard, certainly when you get to the weekend. But obviously there are events that you play on Thursday and Friday and guys make the cut and they get through it uh, without giving one back to the golf course. And that is not the case here in L.A. Everyone so far has bogeyed this particular tournament. All right, we got a lot to do. As far as golf is concerned, we'll keep you updated. And again, the projected cut line now has gone from plus one to plus two. Uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me, that was not COVID. That was just a cough, in, in case you were wondering. It is a plus two now. Uh, so that that makes a huge difference uh, for Tiger Woods fans. This is me, before I head to my first break, because there's so much here about him and, and obviously playing with JT and Rory McIlroy. Uh, Russell Knox, who had made 10 straight cuts, not good. Uh, so far today, he's plus five. He had it yesterday at plus one after, you know, carding a 72 on Thursday. He's been all over the golf course today. So plus five through 14, he is going to have to go on a birdie tear in order to make up those five shots. It, it's going to be, uh, you know, I, I believe uh, tough sledding there for Russell Knox. Also, Billy Horschel, okay? He's got another side now. Let me see if he played the front side. All right, he played uh, the front side today first. Uh, Billy Horschel with with three bogeys and two birdies. Uh, plus one today, plus four within the tournament. So he's got nine holes to try to make up at least three strokes. Uh, will that happen? Let me see if there's some other notables that – you may be interested in who are not going to be around for the weekend. Well, guys like J.B. Holmes and J.T. Poston and Brendan Todd and Doc Redmond, uh, Hideki Matsuyama, Justin Rose, Jordan Spieth on that cut line at plus two after a 70 today, Lucas Glover, Russell Henley, Matt Fitzpatrick. So there you go. Looks like those folks are all going to be able um, to unfortunately head home. Guys, if it does fall at plus one besides Tiger, well, Xander Shoffley is at plus one, and I, I should say he's still out on the golf course. He's got nine holes remaining. Uh, Corey Connors, Nick Taylor, a couple of folks there from Canada, and I believe that's it as far as plus one, giving you the very latest, the excitement of the Genesis Invitation. You can play one of those courses in L.A. What are you playing? Pebble? Torrey Pines or in Los Angeles, Riviera? I don't know much about them. I just know that Pebble Beach looks the prettiest, I think. Water on the water, I'll probably go there. Prettiest, also coldest. and mm, I don't like that. The wind, I mean, the wind can do all, because they're all coming off the coast, as we know, but You've been to Los Angeles. You've been to San Diego. You know what it's like in Southern California, man. You go to NoCal, and you drop way down to Monterey. Woo. I'm lucky that I've been there three times. I'm going to play it at some point in my life. It's a public golf course. You can pay, you know, you can pay it and play it. And it's probably going to cost you, you know, 500 bucks a round. And I don't mind paying it. I just want a good day. I mean, people pay that when they come here to play 
to play sawgrass. They, you know, they that's one of the golf destinations. Is that, that considered a public course? It is. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it seems like a lot of, um, you know, obviously Augusta is a private course. Um, but, it, you know, I don't have any numbers in front of me, but it, it feels like a lot of the United, State op- United States Opens or PGA Championships, they're not always private courses. Some of those are open and available. Pinehurst, we used to do the ACC uh, tournament, and I, I, I wish that it was back there now. And instead, we're in Charlotte, right? I mean, what's there to brag about in Charlotte, all right? That's where we go every year for the ACC meetings. I see the SEC this year is actually going to Nashville, so they're spinning it around. You know, they've gone from Hoover to Atlanta. Now they'll do Nashville. But it used to be long ago, you do it right there at Pinehurst. And it was a tiny little town. It was like a quarter size of, let's say, St. Augustine. And it, w- it was really neat. It was a golf cart community uh, with a couple of hole-in-the-wall places. And uh, I really enjoyed it there. To, to me, that was uh, spectacular. But I don't think there's any chance that they're going back there because it feels like the Atlantic Coast Conference is only getting bigger. All right, we got a lot to do tonight. Over the next couple of hours, we got some football stuff I want to get into. Over the next few, um, interesting day today with a lot of crazy stuff happening. If you have not heard about it, uh, we will certainly let you know what is going on football-wise. Opening comments are brought to you by Schmunez Vision. All right, Dr. Neil Schmunez, I've known forever. And again, I, I injured my right eye again this past weekend. After too many cocktails, I fell asleep, and with my contacts in, I got up around 4 a.m. or whatever it was and went to go take it out and, and um, you know, injured my eye. He brought me in the next day, gave me some drops. It's gone. Here it is, what, four days later. Completely healed, got nothing to worry about. But I tell you about that all the time, and look it. I'm the idiot who did it, okay? Don't sleep in your contacts. If you do what I did last weekend and really get a taste during the Super Bowl to the point where you end up passing out in your own bar, on your own couch, take those contacts out before. I made that mistake, and I almost paid for it dearly. They are incredible when it comes to relationships. That's why so many folks have found Schmunez Vision and they're going back to him, okay? He was part of a, a big conglomerate here in town, and, and he has broken away. But people are like, uh-uh, I need my Dr. Neil Schmunez. I also need my Dr. Catherine Schmunez, who's fellowship trained in cornea and cataract surgery or refractive surgery. You're over 50. You believe you have cataracts, right? Most do. Uh, so you're thinking, oh, my God, I need cataract surgery, right? Wrong. Make an appointment today. It, it may be something... Uh, that is not nearly as serious or significant as cataract surgery. There are other ways that you uh, can get by with this. Also, laser eye surgery. If I was a candidate, i get it. I'm not. You may be. Imagine the rest of your days never having to worry about contacts, glasses, or readers. Set up an appointment today, 299-2906, or go to schmunezvision.com. Care you can see.
Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, more bogeys. Every time I look up, more scores are falling. This time it's Adam Scott who gets to uh, just on a par four with a five. I want to say he's down to uh, minus four for the tournament. I'll check for all you Adam Scott fans uh, out there. All right, we got a lot to get into. Uh, we got a brand new text line here. Same number, 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. What's the early word on this text line? Um, people in radio love to complain. Have, have any come in so far today, JJ? I, I think we're the first show to be using the new text oh, line. Oh, we're the guinea pig. Yeah, Frank sure doesn't really use it, so it's us. We do. We use the heck out of it. Absolutely. And I do want to thank, I, I thought the question that I threw out, which did come from a listener, on the, you know, what Jacksonville needs to do as far as the salary cap and when to give Trevor Lawrence uh, that that contract extension, which he'll be available for in 13 months, uh, you know, March 15th of 2014, uh, 2024. It, it was just amazing to me all of the opinions that came in really on both sides. So it's not too often where you find a subject like that that gets equal 50-50, you know, do it now or no, let it play. It's uh, – it's rookie contract. I thought it was great. So anyway, I'm going to navigate my way uh, through the brand new text line. Still brought to you by Lifetime uh, Enclosures. Always. All right. Just want to make sure. Um, 5085 says he was blessed to play Pebble Beach and Spy- uh, Spyglass Hill. I visited that course as well as Poppy Hills. Uh, I haven't played any of them, but he said it was a family trip to, uh, to Pebble in San Francisco and that Bill Walsh was there with his wife. And he got an autograph on a Pebble Beach Lodge napkin. Wow. I mean, spectacular. I've had hors d'oeuvres there, right? Overlooking 18. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, I think it's 18. Yeah, maybe. It's almost like a little village. Pebble's weird. It's almost got like um, a little bit of a uh, Hilton Head type of feel. You know, if you pull up to the clubhouse here at the Players... You've got the enormous, uh, I don't know what you call it, with the pro shop and in the in the upstairs and downstairs dining and all of that. But this is like a little, a tiny little town in Monterey at Pebble Beach with, uh, you know, some sh- They got those quaint little things, you know, like crafts and stuff like that because people love crafts. There's also just hardcore golf stuff, uh, if perhaps... Um, that is what you like. I'm getting all this stuff. I didn't know if we were going to do this. But America and other places of, as well are going crazy about Tiger handing JT a tampon yesterday after outdriving him. <gasps> and, you know, my initial response was, listen, I play golf with knuckleheads, and, and pranks in a fun time is absolutely the standard. That There's nothing worse than playing golf with three 
red asses, if you know what I mean. Guys who are so tight, they hang on every shot. And what happens is they get so good that when they start missing shots, they feel like they got to throw clubs or it affects their total disposition. I'm more of the weekend hack, love to have some beer and cigars with you. I don't take it as seriously as I should, although I will say I'm starting to get more of the serious nature than I ever ever have been uh, with this sport. But whether it's fake snakes or wh- having fun on a golf course, you know, I mean, the old Bo- remember Bobby Monica, the old, the original equipment manager uh, here for the Jaguars, well-traveled equipment manager. As a matter of fact, I think he's working now either for the XFL or the USFL. But Bobby was here with Coughlin, and he was a phenomenal prankster. I remember playing, being in a foursome with him at one point, and he unlatched on one golf cart the, the belt that keeps both bags in. So when you stepped on the gas, both bags came flying off the back of the cart. A classic. It is a classic. It's a, it's a laugh and have fun. But, brother, you got, if you got yourself brand new clubs... Okay, if you're one of those guys that, you know, as soon as you get the the slightest little dirt within the grooves of your wedge or whatever iron it is that you're playing, you know, you, you're running, you, you, got the, you got the soap and the water and whatever they call that kind of, kind of the, whatever the tool is that you use to scrub in between the grooves. I can't think of the definition of that particular tool. Um you can get irate about that. But that, you know, th- those are just a couple of examples that I could think about having fun on a golf course. When I saw this yesterday, I was like, bro, he is totally mocking JT. He outdrove him. He handed him one, not thinking that anyone would see it. But man, when you're Tiger Woods, you have to know. Whether you pick your nose or do it, no matter what it is that you do, you're going to get caught. And he got caught. Are you surprised by the outcry uh, about the the people that now, like, I can't believe he did that. I'm not. He's sliding women. uh, That's what I was about to say. I am not shocked that there was an outcry from, and by people, let's be clear, it's Twitter people. You know, like the cesspool of society. These people that get mad about literally anything and everything. So, of course, they took it as a slight at women. You know, even though scientifically, I'm sorry, men hit the ball longer than women. That's how it works. That's why they have tee boxes higher up. Uh, is that a hate fact? I don't know, but it's a fact. And, uh, yeah, it's just funny. Like, I'm sorry. Uh, there's females out there who thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was just a guy humor thing. I thought it was hilarious. And uh, T- Tiger had to know that he was going to get seen doing that. I, I couldn't imagine him thinking he could be so sly as to not get that picked up by the 47 cameras that are constantly following him. Well, he tried to do like a little, you know, the way you would give, you know, a a drug dealer money or something (laughs) like that. I was was going to say, I was like, who would you give money to? Maybe a prostitute, a drug dealer. Have you been on Phillips highway? (laughs) Is that how those transactions uh, take place during our Tuesday night Phillips highway stroll? Certainly not how you hand the cashier Mm. money at a restaurant. He apologized. Oh, of course he did. He apologized. What did he say? I, I believe he just said he's, he was sorry, but, but you know, here's, 
you, you said you knew he was going to get caught. Did you see that NFL Films yesterday came out with the perfect the best angle photo of the hold that James Bradbury had on Juju Smith-Schuster? How can Fox, with 30 television cameras, not get that holding call? Or at least to 100% satisfaction to the consumer, they didn't get it, yet NFL Films had it, and it took them, what, four days uh, to come forward with the photo. I'm going to take the other side of this one from you, JJ. I'm going to turn around here and say I do believe uh, that Tiger Woods did not think that anyone would notice him handing that to JT. Because after all the criticism that he has taken on, you got to believe that Tiger Woods, there's no way he would have wanted this story to grow into what it has. Yeah, I, I guess the more I think about it, the more you're probably right. But just as a guy, when you think of something hilarious to do and you just do it on a whim, it's not always the best choice. But to me, this wasn't something very egregious. I loved it. Uh, I was saying yesterday, golf has become, you know, these golfers are – Made in a lab. They're so boring. And, of course, when something fun happens, everyone has to react crazy about it. All right, we got a lot of good stuff coming up over the next hour, including our new text line. We'll, uh, we'll keep you updated as well as to what is happening. Will Tiger Woods make the cut in Los Angeles? Right now it is at plus two. It's the top, 50, uh, top 65 in ties. Tiger Woods right now sits at one over par. The very latest on Jack's USL is coming up, and we got much more as well on the National Football League. So keep it right here on the home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. All right, the leader right now at the Genesis Invitational is still Keith Mitchell. He is nine under par, 64 yesterday, 69 today, a one-stroke lead over Colin Morikawa, and out on the golf course, uh, Max Homa, finally in red figures today, minus one, minus eight overall. He has eight holes to play. We'll keep you updated on that, but let's talk right now some soccer because Jack's USL is coming to Duval. We had that major announcement going back a little bit ago. And uh, the excitement continues to grow and grow day by day. Let's bring in the former head coach at JU, Mauricio Ruiz. Uh, first off, welcome, uh, Mauricio. It's good to have you back on the program. How are things? Thanks, Rick. It's good, good talking to you guys. I appreciate you having me on. Well, congratulations. Um, you know, what, what a role this is for you. It's a dual role, business and technical um, that you will be a part of uh, involving all sorts of interesting things. Uh, first off, tell us about it. What's, what's the major plan? What do you have in store? I know a lot of it is with the youth here in Jacksonville, but uh, take us through what your role is going to be. Sure, absolutely. You know, r- running a pro club and soccer specifically in the way that it's layered with, it, with its youth academies and, and professional academies, there are a lot of conversations for us to have with our, our local youth community of how we're going to develop the, the ultimate, ultimate the pyramid to allow our young people, our young men and, and, and the young females to have an opportunity to play for their local professional team and have 
a an opportunity to to train, to develop, and ultimately have a pathway to pro in our city. Something that you know our city specifically have been missing a little bit, and our talent typically goes to Atlanta or to Orlando to continue that development. And we want to really have that opportunity within our city. So building relationships with our town, making sure that um, everyone knows what we're doing, not just the youth soccer community, but the business community as well, the soccer enthusiasts. This is a, a vibrant city for, for soccer. And we just want to make sure that everyone understands who we are, our ownership group, you know, the good local ownership group, and just um, when we're coming into the market, when are things going to be happening, future announcements. So my role in the beginning would be a lot of that, uh, introductions, have conversations, uh, and as we continue to develop and we get closer to kickoff, you know, we'll start kind of diving a little bit more into the technical side. You know, I follow college football recruiting forever, and Jacksonville is, has always been, you know, considered a one of the better places um, throughout the country where you can find talent, certainly baseball, golf. All your years in this state, both in Orlando, at Central Florida, and then obviously time here at at, uh, at JU, what is the feeling of of soccer here from youth all the way up? How much talent comes out of this part of the country? Uh, yeah, Fl- Florida in general, if you look at the southeast, the fact that we can play year-round comparatively you know, to the northeast and midwest where they have to switch from indoor to outdoor, and then there are times that they have to shut down naturally because of the weather. The fact that we can play year-round is a massive bonus and, 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 and a plus for us that we can continue our development. Now, from a soccer standpoint, it's still that in between, do I play high school, do I play travel ball all year long, or do I split the two? When, when is too much? When are we overloading the athlete? But if we have a pyramid and if we have a good process, and really if we can bridge what a lot of good people are doing in our region, when you talk about Central Florida to North Florida, but here specifically in the, in, in the First Coast, there are a lot of really good people, a lot of great professionals doing their best to develop our young talent, and there's tons of it. The problem happens when you get to that 15, 16, when there's a separation of who's really talented and who we really think have an opportunity to play the next level, what happens to those kids? Mm-hmm. Where does the development continue? Right, And they go to college, and, 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 and our local clubs have done a great job of sending kids to Division One, Division Two, Division Two, men and women into the college ranks, uh, but then the development stops after that. Yeah. So having that opportunity, you know, it's going to be huge for us to be able to voice to these young people that after college or even before college or during college, there's an opportunity for you to still come back home and play at a highest level possible. And I think that's going to help the development of our, of our youth in the city. Yeah, very interesting. Mauricio Ruiz, our guest, former head coach at JU. He is now taking on a, a, a dual role. Congratulations, uh, congratulations by the way. Uh, Mauricio uh, for Jack's USL. You know, I, I, I talk with parents and, and even former players, and they're like, I don't want my son playing football. I mean, brains are scrambled. And kids today, they're like, baseball's too boring. I'm like, man, you got to be kidding me. It's, it was my favorite sport growing up along with hockey. But those are two sports right there that it, it feels like for one reason or another, maybe youth-wise, it's not as popular as it once was. Any effect there towards what you're doing with soccer? Well, I think if you, if you come out to any of the local parks uh, and some of the, the local youth clubs, whether it's Florida Lee, JFC, Clay County, Ancient City, I mean, we're, we're surrounded by a lot of really great youth clubs. And if you go to any of those soccer-specific parks on a Saturday and Sunday, and then even on weekdays in the afternoon, they're just flooded with soccer families. 
and there really hasn't been a you know a down a, a downward spiral even post COVID. Um, if anything, I think parents want their kids to participate a lot more from the social interaction, not just with the dream and hopes that they're going to be you know the individual and athlete or the pro player, but the social interaction that we missed during those COVID years that we were aware of how much we missed it, even though we may not have thought so. Um, you know, the parents want the kids to go out there. And then you kind of talk about the, self, the, the, the safe and healthy and, of, and health of players. The fact that you do have concussions, and soccer has have stipulated some concussion protocols at certain ages to not allow kids to head the ball uh, under at 11 and under. Mm. Uh, so now you got to teach proper technique. And so there are some things that we're aware of it as well from a, uh, from a safe and from a, from a health and safety standpoint. Uh, but I think the, the the dynamic of soccer, the fact that you can run around, it's a cardio sport. You don't spin around a whole lot. I think we've actually attracted some of these kind of, you know, people that have deferred from different sports into soccer. And soccer has just become more and more popular. You look at the World Cup that, that just passed and the World Cup that's coming to the U.S. in 2026. It's becoming much more popular and gaining more ground in the U.S. territory and in, and, and in the local markets as well. Yeah, uh, that, that's interesting. I wasn't aware of that, about uh, uh, heading the ball until you're 11. That That's news to me. I'm sure it's news to some of our listeners. What's this like for you, Mauricio? I mean, the fire in the belly of being a coach for all those years. Now you take on a, a dual role, new responsibilities. Uh, what's this challenge like for you? Yeah, it's a nice change of pace. You know, I've been a, I've been a college coach, Division One, for 15 years. So, you know, any college coach will tell you that it's it's a grind. There's no off season. There's just your in season, or you're in the recruiting season, or you're in the planning season. So, and that's been a passion of mine, and I've loved it. The opportunity to affect lives of young people, right in that 18 to 22 year old. So, we, you know, so they start becoming you know husbands and wives and professionals. It's it's been a pleasure of mine to do that for so many years, and I still uh, I love that aspect of it. And on the other side of it. As a college head coach, many will tell you that it's a it's a CEO like um, job. You're dealing with alumni, and you're dealing with sponsors. You're dealing with you know you're managing you're, you're you're managing up with your administration, and you have to follow the protocols of the university. So you're you're around a lot of the you know big business plans and conversations at the, at the university level, at the athletic department level. So it's not that big of a stretch of a transition for me in the sense of that. You, you're just dealing a lot more with it, and, and the dollar figures are a little bit bigger, and the responsibilities from a corporate sponsorship are a lot larger. But the conversations are rather similar, and it's really about – the great thing about sports is about relationship building. Mm-hmm. And so if we can establish good relationships and we can talk to the right folks that are interested in what we're doing, you're not really trying to sell. And it's similar to recruiting. You know, recruiting is not really about convincing people. It's about telling them a story of what your, what your program is. So if you can tell a good story and if you have good characters in your story and, and, and people are get excited about that, um, that's, that, that's how you get them into, in, in, into joining you and joining forces with you because we want this to be a community club. And the only way we're going to be successful is that if we join arms and make it a community club with all of our partners, with all of our youth, and um and and every everyone that's interested in what we're doing from a sports facility standpoint, so um, it's not that not a big of a stretch. I think the biggest gap for me personally is that I don't get to go to practice right now. Mm-hmm. There's no soccer practice. There's no game. So I'm probably in a, in a few months. I'll probably be itching and missing that a little bit. But it's certainly exciting to get this project up from the ground up. Improve your golf game. Yeah, I need to. That's really something. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, we all need to. <laughs> I, got a little, I got a little more time in, in my hand. Yeah. Sure. Uh, let's wrap with this. Uh, Jack's USL, both a men's and women's team, will be coming here uh, to Jacksonville. So the two most obvious questions that I know you're asked, number one, 
where do you believe they are going to play? And as far as the time period when all this gets underway, what's the latest? I'll start with your second question first. 2025 is when we want to have the, the team kickoff. The USL championship season starts March 2025. Uh, so we have, we have a good runway in front of us now in the 23 season, 24 season to learn a lot about what other clubs are doing and really get us started to, to launch the team, the men and the women, um, in 2025. That's our goal, and that's the timeline that we have, that we have in front of us. Uh, a lot of that is depending on the, the building of our stadium, building of our facility and location. So that's, that's a conversation that's ongoing right now. There's several different locations that we have that we looked around in town. Our, our president, Steve Livingston, and Tony Allegretti, and, and our ownership have done a great job of talking to everybody in town, multiple, multiple uh, counties and cities and districts to uh, identify the right location, the right space where we really want to be and attract that soccer community and, and some of the expressways and highways and access to the stadium, visibility to the stadium. These are all factors that are really important to us so we can make it central to the Jacksonville greater community and not just section off to one side of the, the city or the other side of the city. But we want to make it accessible to everybody in the city. So the conversation is happening right now. Um, he hasn't, hasn't been finalized. When he, when he did, hopefully does get finalized within the next few months, we'll be happy to announce it to everyone where it's going to be. And I think from that point on, it's just really going to be a gestural you know, start to making sure that we meet that 2025 um, season deadline. All right. A lot of folks out there obviously uh, excited about that, and we'll keep everyone in the know as far as things when they do progress. Hey, uh, Mauricio, I do appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us on. Have a great weekend as well. There he goes. Mauricio Ruiz taking on a dual role. Jack's USL. I know the ownership group. I know a lot of people involved with this. I'd really like to see it work. I mean, it has to be fully committed in order to work. And, you know, I obviously the, the Jaguars are – going to have either a brand new stadium or it's going to be a major facelift. I think it's the latter, but a major facelift. But if you look around here, you look at the the baseball grounds. What, what a park. I mean, what a yard. And, you know, you got hockey. I don't do the arena football. I used to when my kids were young uh, because it, they do such a great job entertainment-wise for, uh, for children. Uh, I've always thought that about minor league hockey uh, and minor league uh, football arena league football um but a wonderful building okay you, you gotta have the right building for soccer and you know i mean where where would it be downtown i gotta believe that that's not the answer do you head out towards the beach you go to the west side he said wants to make it there for everyone. Well, I want to tell you something. I played golf earlier this week. It took me 50 minutes to get there. It, nothing is right there in Jacksonville. For everyone. Yeah. Uh, and no matter where you are in this city, it takes a while to get somewhere. And I think, and by the way, I think that's a good thing. Because if the product is good enough, I don't think that people care about traveling within the city. They have to do it already. Yeah, we had the uh I, I forget their name but there was a professional team here Jacksonville something they used to play at the baseball field the Armada yeah Armada yeah yeah, yeah. and it was it just looked weird mm-hmm. on a baseball field and the stands were sort of far away 
and like the back, the goalie was like right up against the outfield wall. That was a little weird. Um, so I hope that they find a better venue than that. Because I knew that ownership group well, and they tried as hard as they could. I, I guess they the didn't other- get into a big enough league. Yeah, that was the problem. Okay, so like this Absolutely. USF, whatever it is, USL, USL is like the second tier of American yeah. soccer. So it's right below MLS. Unfortunately, the Armada were even below that. So uh, not a lot of money flow coming in. But I'm glad that we're I'm glad to hear that well, you know, we're going to start off by doing it here and look for a stadium, you know, we'll play some games at the baseball grounds, we'll play some games. No, I mean first impression is huge. And you need a stadium. You yeah. you, you need a great dwelling. You need a place that people go to, they feel comfortable there, and they want to see the product flourish there. I, I think too many times in, in business and in athletics, it's about getting the team and then putting the team somewhere and then try to get everything to grow instead of getting the perfect facility, the perfect stadium, and then starting from scratch, even if it does delay things a little bit more. You know, just... For a lot of people who don't know how big soccer is getting, first of all, look at the demographics of this country and how they've changed over the last 10 years. You know, my, my girlfriend is half Colombian, half white. All of her friends in Jacksonville, they're all born in America, but they're all, they have foreigner parents. You know, they all are obsessed with soccer. It's a bigger sport than a lot of people realize. If you look at the Atlanta team in the MLS, their first couple of seasons, they were, like, selling out the Mercedes-Benz Stadium every single game. Like, 70,000 people in Atlanta for a soccer game. I was shocked by that. Hockey's failed twice in Atlanta. Thrashers. The old school Atlanta Flames back in, you know, the 60s and the 70s. Atlanta's a an interesting town. Yeah, you're right about soccer. Soccer was never my thing growing up because I was football, hockey, and baseball. Um, and Same. I love... I love what Frangie does, you know, youth-wise with his baseball charity. Walk-off charity. I love it. But I just don't feel, even here, I don't feel the love for baseball the way that it once was. Today's kids think that it's boring. Now, I haven't gone in a few years because of COVID, but when I go over to the Dominican Republic and play golf over there, you get away from these golf courses and you're smack dab in a third world country where it can be scary, okay? Yet you'd see these chain link fences and these torn down old baseball fields. Everywhere. And you would have hundreds of kids trying to be one of the eight out in the outfield or to grab a bat to be next to, I mean, can you even assemble? Can you even assemble neighborhood kids now no, after school no, we have to a, go out and want to play baseball? We have a very different baseball playing culture than the DR. Yeah, you know, like our, I'll say Jacksonville is a huge baseball community, like just Florida in general. But you know, you have to have money. You have to have a bat a glove, very expensive stuff. You go and join a league that you have to pay to be in. You know, you're not joining the kids around the neighborhood and going to play down the street. It's all very regimented. And it's expensive. That's exactly why, you know, Frank does his charity, because a lot of these inner-city kids, they don't grow up playing baseball. That's why we have, like, no black Americans in major leagues anymore. It's, like, all Dominicans, all Puerto Rican, you know, 
guys from South America have replaced that. When I grew up in in Boston, we did that all the time. I mean, my dad was a coach, so he had access to baseballs mm-hmm. and bats. And we would go to a local park, and we, we'd get, you know, 6, 8, 12, whatever it was, and just spend hours and hours and hours in the summer playing baseball. Well, I know from so many of my buds back at home now, that never happens anymore no way. in Boston. It, it, it's never the case. They're playing lacrosse. They're playing soccer. They're inside playing video I was games. Say, that's what they're really doing. <laughs> but the days of getting together and let's go outside and play. It's sad. Th- that doesn't happen. Even when I was a kid, which was only like, I mean, I'm 32. It wasn't very long ago, but we went out and played at the ballpark down the street from us at our elementary school. Just like, you know, six to ten of us. I just don't see that anymore. We even did that at Florida State. We lived in an apartment right on High Road, not too far away from Godby High School. And we go over to that high school and and a bunch of us and and just – have at it, man. I, I miss it um, there. But anyway, uh, the kids aren't into it. The My kids point are is into soccer. soccer. Is big, yes. Yeah, the kids are into soccer. There's no doubt. So uh, I, I've always been a fan of uh, Mauricio. I hope he, he does well here. And I, I hope that this hits home both youth youth wise. And then once this thing gets uncovered, um, it becomes successful, like certainly we have here with baseball and hockey. No doubt about it. All right, we got much more to do. Let's get ready for our second hour with you tonight till 8 o'clock along with JJ. My name's Rick Ballou. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Deep Purple. Coming up on Sunday night, maybe you can make your way into the brand new Remedy Lounge. Hmm? Ryan Rose and company, Remedy, long time. Sponsors of us here on 1010 on the AM 92.5 on the FM. The, uh, the cut line keeps changing, the plus one or plus two. Right now, it's back to plus one. Wow. Uh, so anyone at, I, I should say, really, the cut is is even. Even or better will stick. And, but it's, because right now I'm looking at 63 golfers who are even or better. This is top 65 in ties, so you would think that that would include the 11 or 12 guys in what I'm looking at about eight that are still on the golf course who are at plus one. There's a whole bunch of confusion confusion going on right now in Los Angeles. We'll keep you updated. we got another hour. Hopefully we'll know for sure whether or not. You know, I'm big on the Tiger deal. I, I, I'll, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. It affects my viewership. Even if he's way down. I mean, if he's coming from behind, I mean, he's going to be around 65th place, right? Max Homa with a birdie now, so he is... With Keith Mitchell at minus nine, Mitchell in the clubhouse, almost played 11, so he still has an opportunity. But it's interesting because, yeah, I was listening to PGA Tour radio, and I've been watching the television. I've been going both TV and radio consistently, and the feeling was later in the day, 
these players were going to miss more and more putts and the scoring would be affected. That doesn't appear to be the case. Again, this has gone from plus two to plus one within the last 30 minutes. Again, I will keep you updated. All right, Eric Bieniemy on his way now to D.C. He's going to call plays. He's going to get a, uh, a decorated title as like associate head coach. And, you know, I have, I have a lot of thoughts on this with Eric Bieniemy. Of course, forever people have wondered why hasn't he gotten a head coaching job. He has interviewed several places. Uh, apparently this past year, the only interview he did have was it was either in Carolina, Indianapolis. So it was one of the two. But there were five vacancies, as we do know. Um, on the surface, working with Andy Reid and working with Patrick Mahomes feels like such a cush job. You know, it's you're paid well. He's got to be a six-digit, a seven-digit man. He's getting paid well, and you know, you're working with one of the great coaches in the league, and you're working with the best player in the NFL. However, I gotta believe. Enough is enough, and he wants an opportunity to fully call plays. He wants an opportunity to be a head coach. Ron Rivera, to me, is a lame duck, okay? you got to have an ownership change. Who knows what's really going on with the Dan Snyder situation? I, I said, you know, with the five coaches, I would have fired Brandon Staley in L.A. I would have fired Mike McCarthy in Dallas, but you can just look around and you can see that uh, down the road in Tampa, okay, with Todd Bowles, that's that's getting interesting. In New Orleans, that is getting interesting. Certainly in the District of Columbia, that is getting interesting. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if next year at this time we're talking about Eric Bieniemy as the head coach of the Washington Commanders. It, it just feels like Everyone signed off on this deal. Andy Reid signed off on this deal. I mean, God has won a second Super Bowl in four years, and he's like, no, Eric Bieniemy needs to grab a job where he can call these plays, get credit for calling these plays, and make that move to becoming uh, the next head coach. You know, there's always been the rumors, JJ, why doesn't Eric Bieniemy get a head coaching job? Race is often mentioned. The other thing that is mentioned is that there are transgressions in his past, and they're not always talked about first. You got to do a little bit of deep digging in order to find some of those out. I have no idea what it is. I honestly, I don't think it's that. I, I don't think it's because he got arrested when he was a player at Colorado or the domestic thing. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe he's a terrible interviewer. You know, maybe he just comes across like he doesn't know what he's doing. He's not ready for a head coaching job. That's why it enrages me when everyone on Twitter world and ESPN, of course, the race baiters that they are, it's always because the owner was racist that he's not hired. Yeah. Like it's never any, there's never any nuanced conversation about, hey, maybe this guy's not cut for, like there's something going on here. Yeah. There's a, re there's been multiple black head coaches hired before this guy. So I, I don't think you can just say every single owner in the NFL is a racist, although they do. Um, I don't know what it is. We, and, unless we are privy to those interviews, we're never going to know. And neither is any of the blue check marks on Twitter that act like they do know. 
One thing I've always wanted to know, and I don't think we'll ever find out because you never get uh, accurate ways of communication within a football game. We always are told that Eric Bieniemy doesn't call plays. Right here in Jacksonville, okay, Press Taylor doesn't call plays. Doug Peterson calls them. Andy Reid calls them in Kansas City. Yet every single time they show Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy who are next to each other on the sideline, Eric Bieniemy is always talking. Okay, I mean it's just amazing. So I, you know, again, they don't have to tell us. They don't have to tell us how that communication works on. Who's drawing up the play? Who's calling the play? Uh, is it a scenario where Biennemi has input, where Andy Reid's got the final say and he's going to veto it and say, no, we're going to do this? I, it's different for everyone. I mean, for 10, 12 years, we were told that, that Bobby Bowden wore a headset, but he never called the play. It was Brad Scott who called the play. It was Mark Richt who called the plays. Then it became Jeff Bowden who called the plays. Every once in a while, Bobby would, you know, say, no, 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 you know, run the reverse or, With or his do whatever. With earphone, I loved at the end when he had, like, <laughs> he didn't even have a full headset. It was just, like, one ear. Yeah. I just, oh, look at this bunker in L.A. <laughs> Holy smokes. It's like that new bunker. Uh, out at Stillwater, uh, part of the 210 Mafia. You saw the one today where Tiger putted into a bunker? Oh, I did. Oh, yeah. That was rough. That uh-huh. was the beginning of the end of his round right there. Well, yeah, and he was asked about it because, you know, the thinking was he should have hit a wedge, but he did not. And, um, yeah, that hurt Tiger Woods uh, a little bit earlier today. All right, some other things in the NFL. How about uh, Tiki Barber saying Aaron Rodgers to New York? No way. He's way too sensitive to play football in New York. You and I said the exact same thing last week. We did. I, I I don't know if he's too sensitive, but I know that he hates the media. Like, he despises the media and all their crap, which most of us do. And New York is like the, you know, quintessential media gets on your ass town. So, yeah, I, I would have used a different word than sensitive, but I guess that makes sense. But, yeah, I agree, 100%. I, I, I also don't think that, I mean, the Jets were so hyped about all of their pieces, you know, that they have outside of the quarterback. Like, people were acting like the Jets have the best roster in the NFL this year. I I don't know where that came from. Yeah, they got a couple nice pieces, but, man, they are so overhyped. I don't understand that. People act like if they just get a quarterback, they're like Super Super Bowl bound. Aaron, I don't see it. Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to dictate this trade. I, I do not know if he has a no trade or if he can okay it uh, the way that, you know, Derek Carr did. And even though Derek Carr has now been released, he can go anywhere. Reportedly, he's visiting the Jets uh, this weekend. And there's been rumors about Ryan Tannehill, who could get cut before March 15th. He does not have a no um, trade clause. With the Jets, Aaron Rodgers does not. Okay, yeah. well, they're not just going to trade Aaron Rodgers um to a team, I feel comfortable enough about saying this. They're just not going to move Aaron Rodgers without him signing off to the on Panthers it. because he could retire. Yeah. I mean, he could just walk away. So if you're Aaron Rodgers and you don't like the media and you are overly sensitive, <laughs> think about what Las Vegas would do for Aaron Rodgers. Red carpet, he, absolutely red carpet in, in a media. That is. Does it even exist? Right. I don't know. Is there a local like sports media outside of like the gambling media in Vegas? I'm not sure. You know, when I used to go there and cover fights, 
Uh, do you do you know Al Bernstein? Of course. Okay, he still to, works for Showtime. I used to uh, do my radio show from the Mandalay Bay sports book. There's a radio studio right in there, and Burt Sugar would fly in all the time, and, uh, and Gil Brandt, one of my favorites, would would be out there uh, with me as is my NFL guy if it was during football season. But Al Bernstein did a an afternoon show, like a midday show, like twelve to two or something, on a station in Las Vegas, and. I'd have Al sit in with me a lot. And a guy that I worked with in Chicago by the name of Papa Joe Chevalier, he was in Las Vegas for a number of years, but it was all gambling. It was gambling and boxing because you had nothing there. Now you got hockey there and you got football there. And I got to believe the NBA is next. Oh, they are. That's that's happening. As a matter of fact, LeBron's already come out and said that he wants to be like a part of that somehow. Yeah, and I hate to be the downer on Oakland, but the A's won the World Series in 72, 73, and 74 and never sold. They they were great, uh, you know, never sold it as far as fans. Um, they were great with the, you know, the Bash brothers with Conseco and McGuire and, you know, you had Ricky Henderson, all those great players. Even Dennis the Eckersley. team. Yeah. Like, they never got good crowds. And they mm-hmm. had, like, Miguel Tejada, Eric Chavez. They went to the playoffs. They were good. So All if, those pitchers. Oh, my God, yeah. So, all, all, you know, if all of a sudden we hear, is anyone going to be surprised? No. If one day we woke up and heard that the Oakland days are moving to Las Vegas? Manfred would love that. Right. right. So, you're going to have, in a matter of time, you're going to have all four of the major sports right there in Las Vegas. Still. Compared to New York, where there are self-made contrarians, okay, you don't get that down here. And and I'm not ripping the media down here. I'm not. My point is, is where I came from in Boston and in Philadelphia and New York and Washington D.C., there are self-made contrarians. There are members of the media that would rather see the team lose than win. And don't waste our time by telling us that everyone's born a journalist and they're not fans (laughs) of teams and they don't care. Those days are so long behind us, okay? You can listen to every host on our station and you can tell whether they want the Jaguars to win or they want the Jaguars to not win. It's pretty simple. You get to those cities like New York, there's going to be columnists and sports talk show guys that can't wait to destroy Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah. So why would he want to go? And, and you nailed it. Plus, they're not even good. They're not even that. They don't have a lot of talent on that team. They got some special guys on defense. Yeah. Uh, particularly Wilson. But, but since when has Rodgers cared about that? Mm-hmm. Or Williams, I should say. I, I. I still see him sticking around in Green Bay. Yeah. If I had to bet. Mm-hmm. Trying to figure out this new text line. Oh, really? You have any issues? Uh, here's someone in 7450. I heard John Gruden is at town at the Marriott downtown. Let's party. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I don't want to go through that stuff. As a matter of fact, I need to take a break. I didn't know it was 21 past. Let's do that. Get you caught up, see if anything's changed as far as this uh, projected uh, cut line. Um, you know, I, I want to see Tiger play this weekend, even though he's not going to finish anywhere near the top. At least you would think uh, that that is going to be the case. The story right now is Max Homa. 
okay? Minus nine after what he did um, last week. Keith Mitchell as well at nine under the former Georgia Bulldog with a 64 yesterday and a 69 today. All right, we got much more to do. Take you tonight up until 8 o'clock. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, we'll take it till 8 o'clock tonight. Back to the golf here in a moment in football, but I, I saw this, and um, not only was I surprised, I was a little bit disappointed. I get sent all these surveys all the results of surveys. I don't participate in any of the surveys, but I get them, and a lot of them are, like, really corny. You know, like, what city has the greatest crafts? Uh, which one did I see? Like arts and crafts? Yeah. I, or there, craft beers? There was one another uh, that I read recently, like, where is the best city to walk puppies? Oh, my God. Or walk God. your animals? <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you. There's legitimately surveys on, on everything. Camden, New Jersey. (laughs) And I get sent them all the time. Well, this one caught my attention. It is for 2023, obviously the results that are in are from 2022, but it's the best bachelorette party destinations. Any idea what the top city in America is for a bachelorette? Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville's not even in the top 10. Whoa. And let me tell you something. If you go to Nashville, that's all there is. Let me tell you something. Every year the Jags play in Nashville, I went. I saw more bachelorette parties in (laughs) Nashville per capita (laughs) than I think anywhere else in the country. I cannot believe they're not in the top 10. Okay? They're not. I'm already calling BS on this list. Okay. It's Miami. Okay. New York, too. San Francisco, Las Vegas four. I'm actually surprised. I would have ranked it probably Vegas and then Nashville. What do you do in New York City for a, a bachelorette party? That seems like an odd destination. It really me. does because it's cold eight months a year. It's incredibly it's expensive. Yep. It's not like everything's together. I and mean, what are you going to do? Go to the beach? I, I mean, uh, LA five, Houston six, Portland. Who the hell would go to Portland? It rains there. Who the hell's going to go to Portland for a bachelorette party? I've never been. I, I'm not going to judge the city, but it just seems odd. Atlanta, Seattle, Chicago round out the top 10. Then it's down the road to Orlando 11. I guess I could see that a little bit. You want to do the whole universal deal or whatever. I, I just can't get over, for me, Orlando's all about the kids. Um, yeah. Denver. You can just go to Denver and get stoned and do nothing else. Okay. Fort Lauderdale, 13. Uh, Pitt, San Diego, Austin, St. Louis, Phoenix, D.C., Honolulu, Boston, and at 21. But some of these, I'm like, Dallas at 24? (laughs) New Orleans. You would think that Bourbon Street would be like a great 48 to 72-hour destination. Then you just got to get the hell out of there. But how the hell, I mean, 26? Where's Nashville on the list? For New Orleans. They have Cleveland ahead of Tampa. Cleveland. 27 and 28. Yeah. Jacksonville, where the hell are you? And 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 I'm like, come to think of it, 
I've been here forever. I don't think I've ever seen a bachelorette party here in Jacksonville, yeah, Florida. Where would you go? Well, that's it. <laughs> you, you can't start over here at Glenn's Liquors anymore <laughs> and, 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 you know, hang up hang a left on uh, Phillips and, and, and go to the, the rooster. Those places are clo- – where would bachelorette parties be? I got to assume at the beach, right? Yes. You know, get a room at the beach, go to the bars, hop around the bars, you know, then actually go on the beach. I guess thinking about Tampa, Tampa for bachelor parties, way higher on the list. That's where my bachelor party was. Exactly. Bachelorette, not so much. Right. Uh, Nashville's 39. Here's one that surprises 39? me. 39? Yeah. Here's one that surprised Well, Rochester's 40. 41 Savannah. How's uh, that not Savannah. higher? Love Savannah. I mean, how's... Oh, somebody actually... Two people just texted in Savannah. Savannah's a wonderful uh, town, and it comes in at 41. Uh, I mean, you got Buffalo ahead of Jacksonville. Oh, You've got Grand Rapids, Michigan ahead of Jacksonville. You've got Newark, New Jersey no! ahead of Jacksonville. Salt Lake, are you even allowed <laughs> to crack a beer in Salt Lake City? Okay. I mean, you, I, at, at least that's better than Newark. Syracuse, Anaheim, Oakland, Louisville, Torrance, St. Paul, Glendale. Uh, Santa Ana, Santa Rosa, Jacksonville Ooh. comes in at number 67. At least we made the top 100. In America. Ahead of Huntington Beach, San Jose, Madison, Wisconsin, Memphis, Tennessee, and Naperville, Illinois. Have you ever been to Memphis? I've never been to Beale Street, no. D-U-M-P. Memphis no. is a dump, man. I I can't believe we're so low on the list just because we have beaches. I mean, I made a joke. There's not exactly, like, places to go. But, damn, we have one of the nicest beaches in America. I'm trying to, uh, that uh, should be worth at least a top 30. I'm looking for, like, major major cities or what have you that rank below Jacksonville. And you just, you know, you get stuff like Eugene and Durham oh and God. El Paso and Norfolk. They're like college towns. <laughs> Eugene. Virginia Beach. Okay. Lexington, Kentucky. Colorado Springs. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Baton Rouge. Chattanooga. But as far as like major cities, it's like Jacksonville was like the last major city. You know. All right. Anyway. That came in today. The new mayor. I hope you're listening. Change this place. Make it the bachelorette capital of the state. Well, we were talking about earlier with soccer. I mean, it it is. It, this is a city of transition. You got to move. I mean, if you wanted to put together a great, I you know what's not not on this list, and I can't believe is Saint Augustine. Saint Ooh. Augustine should absolutely be a bachelorette ahead of Jackson. Yes, no, because you got a, you got seventy five bars there, all in walking distance. I can't believe I'm going to – I hope this has – I hope this survey has a complaint card because I'm going to fill it out. I'm going to I'm going to fill it out for St. Augustine. I, I, I'm not one of those who, like, battles Jacksonville and St. Augustine. Although that seems to come more from the St. Augustine side. You know, they're like, hey, listen, we're in St. Augustine. You're in Jacksonville. We don't want you here. It's right? like little brother syndrome. And I'm like, oh, really? So you don't like it when I come there and spend my money? Because <laughs> I absolutely love St. Augustine. But I kind of think of it all as, like, one. But if you were to try to Same. put a, a bachelorette party 
in Jacksonville, I mean, you're going to go to the town center? <laughs> are, are you going to go across the street here to Tinseltown? Oh, man, go see a movie and go to Hooters. Are, are, you know, I guess it's the beach. It has to be the beach. It could maybe be uh, something out on the west side, but I'll be honest with you, the whole west side of Jacksonville, even though I've been here forever, it's kind of like Iraq for me. <laughs> I have no idea what's over there, okay? I have not even a clue. How about the Riverside area? Is that is that? I, I go there uh, once I like, in a blue moon. It, I went there a couple months ago. It's popping. Uh, it was like a Saturday afternoon. Every bar was packed. Rooftop bar going. Yeah, that's a a nice little area. All right. So I've mentioned parking five, sucks though. I mentioned yeah. I mentioned five or six sections. What did I not mention? Downtown. Exactly. You build it. You put up a hotel. You put up a new practice facility. You put up whatever. Put up a Dunkin' Donuts. It's just Dunkin' now, actually. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, marketing. It was huge marketing. Donuts, uh, I, I guess donuts is like uh, equals fat people. I don't know. They, they've got like vegan food. now. Yeah, give me one of those chocolate vegan donuts and yeah, I don't know. Or the younger generation doesn't have time to say two words. By the way, did you peep, <laughs> yeah. did you peep the 10 worst cities on the list? Let me see if I can find that. <laughs> Montgomery, Alabama. Oh, uh, you found it. Oh, yeah, I have them. Oh, you get these surveys too? No, I just Googled and this is the oh. exact same survey. Uh, okay. Clarksville, Tennessee. Yep. Fayetteville, North Carolina. Thornton, Colorado. Never even heard of that. Mesquite, Texas. Jackson, Mississippi. Huntsville, Alabama. Waco, Texas. Uh, West Valley City, Utah. And Hampton, Virginia. Hmm. Okay. Noted. I was going to take a trip to Huntsville, but now I won't. Yep. Now, I wonder how different this is from Bachelorette to Bachelor. Way different. Parties. Because, you know, let's be honest. For Bachelor parties, going into gentlemen's clubs is usually a pretty big part. Prerequisite. You know, like for me, it was golf. It was like two days of golf and then a night of going out or a couple nights going getting crazy. But for... For ladies, I that whole gentleman's club, I mean... <laughs> it's not really their thing. Well, I think that there's there's certain big cities that, that have male strippers, right? I mean, I got to believe Miami has it. Yes. Um, I spent seven years in Chicago. I do not know if Chicago has it. I, I, don't, I, I don't believe there's one in Boston. No, I could be I wrong. I don't think so. New York probably has one. San Francisco definitely has one. Uh, Vegas, probably, yes. And those are the top four for bachelorette mm-hmm. parties. But I don't think that's a huge criteria No, for them. I I don't even know how much some of them would enjoy that. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to get in the mind of women, but... Yeah. Which I mean, is an impossible thing to do. Well said. Anyway, I thought that that was... Um... <laughs> Lemon bar, someone says. What's That's it called? What, lemon bar. That's the the lemon bar. Yeah, you can start at the lemon bar and, and wrap it up at the lemon bar. Uh, Max Homer with the birdie on 13. Uh, let's see if he played the front side first. Yeah, he is officially on 13. So um, that's four birdies out of the last five holes for Max Homa. He's been on fire this year. Yep, he won three weeks ago. Max Homa right now is your on-course leader at minus 10. That's one stroke ahead of Keith Mitchell. Let's check the projected cut. It's dropped again to plus 
one plus one and better are in. So 10 minutes ago, Tiger Woods was out. Now Tiger Woods is back in. Let's see. It That would be 72 golfers at plus one or better. And among those who are still on the course include Ricky Fowler, J.B. Holmes, Nick Hardy, and Bo Hostler. Uh, we will keep you updated, but this is going back and forth. So uh, this process, um, again, with top 65 and ties, we'll see if Woods is able to stick around by the end of the weekend. I'm trying to say, what, 11? Yeah, so there's still a lot of golf left. I, I see that there are some folks here who are on 10 and 11, so that means that they like have seven and eight holes left, respectively. Two and a half more yeah. hours. We're not going to, and again, what, it's 739 here, so it's 439 there. You can see the shadows now starting to come in over the greens in Los Angeles, but yeah, they've got a couple hours worth of sunlight. There's no question about it. All right, let's put our final touches on this one. Again, if you want to comment on the brand-new text line, if you notice I haven't been responding the way that I normally do because i got to sort out the kinks here. Uh, probably take me, I'm guessing, anywhere from <laughs> six to eight months I, I, until I feel See you in fully equipped. <laughs> but anyway, 641-1010, best way to get us. That is the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Yeah, this list is really flawed. I don't see Charleston on here either, which is a wonderful town. Heck, they got Tallahassee in there at 149, uh, which is a great place to meet women, but I don't know if it's a great place for a bachelorette party. The Palace? Well, the the palace is a great place in Tallahassee to pick up a woman working on her fourth marriage. <laughs> Smokes two packs a day. Uh, I love that joint. Yeah, but it's as it's, I, as I go there after the game once every two years. It's not nearly as good now as it used to be. It just, I mean, I used to know all the bartenders. That place was so so good. It was so much pride involved there. It just feels like it's really run down now. Oh, and I love yeah. and I love dive bars. This is as decrepit and dive as you can get man i feel like that floor hasn't been cleaned in decades charleston's 125 i mean that is i'll be there in three weeks what a great town charleston is and i can't find saint augustine on here which is a crying shame uh maybe they think saint augustine is too family i i don't know but anyway or maybe they just include it in the jacks like we do sort of yeah not sure, but anyway, we were got that survey on the. It's the only time I think I've ever gone to that survey. Um, some of them are pretty good. I read them, I read them all the time, but I just don't feel they're worthy of mentioning on the program. So I, I, I basically do leave it alone. Hey, maybe we'll hit on this on Monday. Hoping to have Derek Trucks with us on Monday uh, as well. Um, they are announcing uh, another show here. In Jacksonville, uh, scheduled for June 22nd. I was going to have Derek on tonight, but I know he's going on tonight in D.C. Uh, they're playing like six shows there. 
But I, I, as of right now, I looked at his schedule. I believe they're off on Monday, so we'll see if I can get him on the horn for 10 minutes or so. Um, but that'll be a whole heck of a lot of fun. And also on Monday, maybe we'll get into this then, but as projected, did you see the language coming out of the NFL today where they're already talking about banning the tush push and what the Philadelphia Eagles did in the Super Bowl, they want it to be about skill level, not just brute mentality or whatever it is that they were saying. Strength. But it was so obvious that this was going to happen. Yeah. Not surprised at all. No, me neither. I, I'm offended that we've changed it to tush push, by the way. I've heard that a lot over the last two days. We're not giving Reggie nearly any credit for that. It is the Bush push as the far Bush as push. I'm concerned. Yes. Right. And I'm not shocked by it. Did someone complain? Was it offensive? But you know what's funny is it it just shows how many people actually watch the Super Bowl compared to the regular season because the Eagles have been doing this every game, multiple times a game, near the goal line, on fourth downs. Like, they just do it every game, and you never heard anyone say they need to ban this. But the second they started doing it in the Super Bowl, people are like, this sucks. I'm trying to find a way I can say this where it will come across as rated G. Okay. But I – I've mentioned many times how I would go to L.A. every year for USC, UCLA. And I was there during the, you know, Carson Palmer, Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush, particularly Leinart and Bush. Well, some of the T-shirts that they had for Reggie Bush, and they also had, was it a John David Booty? I remember him, the quarterback. That they had. It wasn't Josh Booty. That was LSU. But they had a booty. Yeah, it was John David. And some of the shirts that those USC faithful came up with representing those two names were um, pretty interesting, uh, to say the least. I tell you what else is coming into play. With football beginning, what, April 15th? I think it's the XFL. We had Rafael Esparza on last night, and I got to tell you, I got to be honest with you, I don't know if he was talking about the XFL or the USFL. I just completely removed myself from these two factions, if you will, involved with football because I I do have enough uh, with the college and the pro game. It's USFL in April. USFL. Okay. They are going to change the rule that drives people crazy in the NFL. Oh, the fumble through the end? You fumble the ball through the end zone. The defensive team gets it first and 10 from their own 20-yard line makes going sense. the other way. I've Always hated that. You know, and anywhere else on the field, the pl- offensive player fumbles out of bounds. You keep possession. But for some reason, in the most pivotal part of the field, if they do that, the other team gets the ball. It makes absolutely no sense. It's very rare. So I think that that's probably one of the reasons why it hasn't been changed yet. But it's it, – it, I mean, you could probably count on one hand the times that you saw that in college and pro this year combined. And, you know, a guy like you probably watches hundreds of games. But have to get rid of that, man. Uh, if, if we're worried about the Bush push, to me, this is a lot more egregious. Yeah, it's um, – I'm it, glad they're doing it. It's something I'm absolutely uh, not a fan of, and, you know, we'll see what ends up – You're not a fan of the call or them changing the call? Uh, I'm not a fan of the call. Okay. I, I think it's a terrible call. Uh, what, what's the other one that I saw that they're actually uh, – that whole 4th and 15 instead of a 
Fine. an onside kick, oh. which which uh, we don't have enough time to get into tonight because the show's over in 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 a less than two minutes. Um, they also have three point conversions. But my 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 reasoning for that has always been, even though it's a fourth and fifteen, the defense is exhausted, and then you got to put them right back out on the field. I I just I I've never understood the logic there. But again, we don't have really the time. Uh, to dive into it's that tonight. It's a fourth tonight. and 12, by the way. Is no, it a fourth? It's not even a fourth and 15. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, t- to me, that's uh, that. That's just nuts. But we'll see what happens. I, I always try to, at least once a year during the summer months, you know, ask if you could change one thing in the NFL and change one thing in, in college football, what would it be? And for me... College football has always been one answer and one answer only, and I still won't get off that. That is when the knee is down, mm. I don't understand why the play stops. I, 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 I can't stand that rule. That would be the one I would change. In the NFL, for me, it seems to change every year because their rules change so dramatically. <laughs> I hate the two-minute warning how the clock stops. That, to me, is just – it makes absolutely no sense. I don't know why they do that in the NFL. The other one, having two feet inbounds. It would certainly make us figure out what a catch is a lot quicker if you only had to have one foot in bounds. I also don't understand that rule. I wish they would get rid of that. Do you like stopping the clock after a first down in college? No, I hate that. So I hate the two-minute warning that it stops, and I hate that the clock stops after every first down. College games take six hours. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, what does this say? Uh, I'm trying to figure out the text line. This is from the 0794. Apparently, we should never ask one which city to party in the Bachelorette <laughs> City list. is sad. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we'll end on that. It, it, it was not a good one. Hey, I'll tell you what. If there's a Bachelor uh, list or survey that comes out, uh, I'll get to it. Uh, that's my promise to you. Folks, have a great weekend. Um, Hacker is coming up right now at last look. Tiger Woods is in with a plus one. But there's still a lot of golf on the uh, on the docket here over the next hour and some change. For JJ, I'm Rick Bullo. I'll talk with you Monday at 6 o'clock.